welcome to the Modern Lady Podcast. I'm Michelle. And I'm Lindsay, and we are so happy that you're here joining us today. As winter sets in, survival mode takes over. There is a lot of talk these days about self-care and making sure it's a priority in our lives. In a study done last year by wellness tech company Shine, they found that over 70% of millennial women vowed to make self-care a goal for 2018. But for all of this insistence that we need self-care, what exactly is self-care? Why is it important? And how can all of us practice true self-care no matter where in life we find ourselves? But first, Lindsay has our etiquette tip of the week, and today, wine o'clock starts now, right, Lindsay? You have some tips for us on how to enjoy a good glass of wine? (laughs) I sure do. I have three tips to drink wine like the French. Um, So I'm currently reading Marcel Proust's epic 4,000-page book. Um, It's a series of novels, but In Search of Lost Time, so I am obsessed with all things French right now. So I learned today that the French have a joke. And their joke is, how do you spot a foreigner in a cafe? It's the one drinking wine. And they say this because the French don't drink wine, especially red wine, outside of a mealtime. That is basically tip number one. So it's simple. Red wine goes with food. It's very much an American or Western thing to sit and just pour a glass of wine without your meal. So that is one of the ways they spot tourists. The second tip is do not bring wine to a dinner party. Uh, So it's a big non-non in French. (laughs) Uh, uh, (laughs) Because it can suggest that you think um, that you know more about the wine than your host. Um, So to bring wine to it is, is kind of a little bit of a slap in the face to your hosts, to their dinner party. And number three, you do not pour your own wine if you have a host. Uh, they pour it for you. If you want more, you finish your glass completely and your host will usually offer un petit goutte. Un petit goût, like a little drop or a little taste. Um, and then if you've had enough, though, and you don't actually want more wine, you just leave a little bit in the bottom of your glass and they would never fill it up more. So it's just these little subtle etiquette tips on not, um, you know, <laughs> gulping your wine down mm-hmm. and then asking for more or reaching for it to pour more for yourself. And, and in, in France as well, they really do sip their wine with their meal. It is an accompaniment to their meal. They don't gulp down their wine like we do here. Uh, and then just back to not having wine outside of mealtimes. So they would usually drink something like a cure, um, which is a white wine and creme de cassis, like a black currant liqueur, or they'll have a glass of champagne or a glass of rosé, but they wouldn't drink that red wine sitting at a cafe without their meal. Oh, that is so interesting. Um, I'm especially a, a little bit nervous about the second tip you had about yeah. not bringing wine to a dinner party because yes. that's essentially all I bring to dinner parties. <laughs> and I think that's fine here. I think the French are okay. very, very protective over their wine and their knowledge of wine. And they said it's even worse if you could even imagine bringing a bottle of American or Canadian wine to a French dinner party in France. Oh they would goodness. just be horrified. They're just oh. very, very protective over their knowledge of wine and their love of wine. Sure. I can understand that. Um, the next time I'm in France yes, and invited to a dinner party, I'll be sure yes. not to bring You'll thank me <laughs> Jackson one day. Triggs or something. Yes. <laughs> Today we're talking about another big buzzword in our culture, self-care. And now, Lindsay, you did a bit of research into the history of self-care, and you were saying that it goes back 
way, way further into history than just our modern era even, right? It does. It really starts with the Greek philosophers. So like so many things in our history, once as humans, we were done, you know, having to try to create fire and stop dying. um, We were able to elevate our thoughts to, you know, philosophical things. And so Socrates was one of his messages was that care for oneself will equal that one would know oneself. And so that idea of caring, self-care, care for oneself started really then. The Stoics would teach and they would teach on the streets, uh, taught that attaining happiness is an active endeavor. And that's the same thing with self-care too. We're, we're trying to attain happiness. And then, so, you know, it goes through obviously the middle ages and stuff. And then the next time self-care really shows up on the radar is the late 1960s, early 1970s. And uh, it comes out here in two ways. The first way it comes out of the civil rights movement. And it really does start with marginalized and oppressed groups and individuals who are truly not receiving care that they need. And I'm talking medical care. Uh, these are groups, especially in the United States, that are not receiving the basic amount of care that the rest of the, the country is receiving. So they start looking into ways to have self-care. And so that actually starts to become a buzzword around that time. And then that continues on, like so many things, everybody else jumps on it. And so the 1970s starts to see a wellness trend. Um, And this trend really takes us towards positive health, not just the absence of illness, right? Or just trying to stay alive like it was throughout history. The 1970s and into the 80s really became this idea of um, physical activity, possibly organic eating, uh, that sort of thing. And then in 1981 and 82, a famous historian, professor, philosopher, social uh, theorist, Michel Foucault, He wrote something about the care of the self and would teach about that as well. And then we kind of didn't hear about it again until 9-11. And when 9-11 happened, we started seeing, obviously, many cases of of PTSD. And that Mm -hmm. discussion about PTSD started having people who weren't just the horrific people involved with 9-11, you know, that, that horrible thing, it really started opening the broader discussion on post-traumatic stress disorders. And so people started looking back at their own experiences that aren't connected to PTS or to um, 9-11 and needing self-care and starting to look into taking care of themselves with that. And that brings us up to, <laughs> I can't even, um, the big, <laughs> the biggest trend, self-care exploded onto the scene after Mm -hmm. apparently the very traumatic election of Donald Trump. Now, we're not a political podcast, so (laughs) we won't inject our own editorial comments into this. But apparently it was the following day and that following week after Trump won the 2016 election that the Googling of self-care exploded. And so it has not gone away since then. So that's a quick overview of self-care. Well, because he's still in office. Right. right? Self-care can't. uh, Yeah. (laughs) It'll just disappear if he doesn't win the next election. (laughs) Self-care will be done. (laughs) So, yeah. Isn't that crazy? That is insane. Like when you were kind of leading up to like, this is what the catalyst was for self-care to explode onto. That was not even on my radar. (laughs) Yes. But some good things have come out of this, right? And you and I have been Mm -hmm. discussing like that you've really broken self-care down into two kind of areas, right? Yeah. Yeah. The way I see it, it really seems like there's two versions of self-care out there. There is this like kind of more of a marketed self-care, mm-hmm. which would be like um, uh, going to a spa for the day to unwind or 
having a piece of chocolate at the end of a rough day. And then there's another kind of self-care out there that I think people are really looking for. And that's the real soul-filling kind of self-care, the one that will last. So like, there's nothing wrong with the marketed kind, but maybe it's more of like a, a treat. Like, And treats are fine. We can make time for treats. But uh, if that's our version of self-care, we may risk feeling disappointed when it doesn't deliver on the long-lasting well-being that we're looking for. This reminds me so much of the episode we did on joy, on finding joy. Do you remember how we were talking about like mm-hmm. happiness is fleeting and it can come from external things, but true joy is unshakable and it's there all along. And, and so, so much of what you're saying reminds me of that with self-care and the idea of treating yourself versus really taking care of yourself. Mm-hmm. And one just kind of will come and go, but not really make a lasting difference in our lives. Yeah, that's true. And I think uh, maybe that is uh, the more uh, searched for, but the less attainable goal when we say self-care. Yeah. Like we want that joy, but happiness is so much more within our reach. <laughs> yeah. And, and so I looked up the hashtag self-care on Instagram and there are 11.6 million uses of that hash- hashtag. And so... I think to start to scratch the surface of this, um, you know, you you and I were talking about that as a business, like you were saying, and that it's a $13 billion industry. And when you look at that hashtag, what you see is almost every single photo, they're young women in their early 20s, very fit. They're in their really expensive gym clothes, or you're seeing just kind of a bunch of motivational quotes um, on, with that hashtag. And so... Mm-hmm. I started thinking like, okay, (laughs) these aren't the women that I would naturally think need self-care. I'm thinking like us and all of our friends, the tired, burned out moms, (laughs) and we're not the ones, maybe we're too busy to actually use that self-care. But I started looking more into this idea of millennials and their their obsession kind of with self-care. And Mm -hmm. I'm going to be honest that I have two immediate responses to that. At first, I'm kind of angry because I'm like, oh, millennials, I'm the older woman now who's had to work. Work hard and fight hard, and you're all just going to your expensive spin classes and going for your full right. body massages. Um, because there was a research, a Pew Research Center poll done in 2015 that said that millennials are spending double what any other generation has spent on things like workout reg- regimens and diet plans and life coaching and therapy. And I'm thinking, what? Why? You haven't even started the stress in your life yet. But <laughs> I can just picture you. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I can just yeah. picture you like sitting on your front porch, <laughs> shaking your fists. <laughs> I was millennials. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I'm that old now. Like you hit that point where I don't understand their music and I don't understand their obsession with self-care. But but sure. that being said, you mm-hmm. and I were talking about that maybe they're onto something. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Yeah, I, I remember talking to Phil about this um, just in, in the context of the workforce and how hard it is to find uh, people to help with like on call shifts and overtime and everything, because it seems like younger workers are less um, willing to take those things on. And it's very frustrating for the for the other workers who have to shoulder a lot of that load themselves. Someone has to do the work. And I was just saying, well, maybe the problem isn't so much all the time um, that they're unwilling to put in overtime overworked hours, maybe the problem springs more from our society's expectations on how much we need to work. (laughs) And so that's what 
you were saying uh, maybe they're on to something, whether mm-hmm. they realize it or not, that there's this need to balance work and leisure and that that balance can be a form of looking out for your health and your well-being. Absolutely. And I am of that mindset of showing up before everybody else, staying later than everybody else, working on your days off. Like I was raised like that. That was, that was how you got ahead during the, you know, quote unquote rat race generations. And um, both of my parents manage their workplaces. So I come from managers um, and both of them have always, always put in you know, a higher, much higher percentage of work than their staff and always unpaid or, un, you know, sometimes without thank, um, being thanked. And so that's how I was raised. And I saw that and that's what I expect. And that's how my husband works. But then like you, we've seen in both of my parents' jobs and in my husband's job that, yeah, this generation doesn't want those overtime shifts, whether it's more money or not. And mm-hmm. so when I look back over social history. And I'm, and do you remember that show I was talking about called back in time for dinner? I gave it as my, something I was loving. Okay. When Mm -hmm. they hit the eighties, well, I think it was actually in the seventies. Yeah. She, they had the mom get a job in the seventies episode. So through the seventies, eighties and nineties. And, um, another show I watched too out of England about the dinner time period of those same times, both of them showed the same story of the family becoming, much more hectic and busy and everybody becoming disconnected and this whole rat race mentality that really started with the booming of Wall Street, right, in the 80s and just like get ahead, get ahead, make as much money as you can. And so when I look at the millennials, they're the children of those people. And Mm. I'm kind of my age, I'm kind of right ahead of that a little bit, but they're, they're, they're that. So they've seen stressed out miserable, tired parents. They've also enjoyed the benefits, the financial benefits of being raised in a two car Mm -hmm. household with trips to Disney and Mm -hmm. all the trendy clothes and all those things that no generation had had before them as well. And I think that they must be going, okay, how do we thoroughly enjoy our life without becoming so burned out or getting divorced and, or becoming, you know, addicted to something like a lot of our parents' generation that are not happy either. So I see that they're trying to navigate that idea of self-care. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I had that thought too, that, you know, we can talk about self-care, but we have to stop to think too, what is the desire behind self-care? Mm-hmm. Like, What are we really looking for? Uh, because that may help us figure out how we can uh, add it to our lives yeah. or work it into our lifestyles. Right. And yeah. I really believe uh, after thinking about it and reflecting and observing uh, that it seems to be a desire for more or a more effective use of our time. Mm-hmm. We get uh, so busy, even without intending it, so consumed with having to perform or accomplish something with our day that we're running a race we didn't even realize that we're running. <laughs> yeah. And we're so exhausted. There's no natural breaks worked in and that there will always be something else to do. So we have to schedule in our leisure time the way we schedule in everything else. And I wonder if that's kind of the originating desire and intention behind this self-care movement as an appointment with yourself. Absolutely. You and I were talking earlier on what it looked like for our grandmothers and um, our mothers, or perhaps the generation just slightly before our own mothers who were raising children in the eighties. Um, Because 
leisure time only came about at the in the Edwardian period. Like there was no leisure time. It was, you know, only after the Industrial Revolution and they were overworking people did they start giving people a day off or a half, I was actually a half a day mm-hmm. off a week. And so this concept of even having leisure time is is still relatively brand new. And then um, following the, you know, World War II, when women had to go out and work in the factories. And then when they came back during the 1950s, it was the first time women were really home throughout the day. And, and at that same time, a lot of time saving measures were starting to be brought into their home, um, their homes, they were still doing on average, I think it's 73 hours of housework a week, because they didn't have the automatic things that we have. Um, But they started to it started to get easier and easier every year that went by. And so when we talk about leisure and what you and I were talking about before, we were really looking at what a woman's day looked like before. And I think the reality with self care is that they were outside in the sunshine more, they had friendships, and they ate a healthier diet. And so when we look at those, those three things, you and I were saying like, out hanging up laundry, right, and getting it in and off, and then talking to the neighbor who was also home, because nobody worked, none of the women worked. So Mm -hmm. you had friendships outside, you were out sweeping off the front porch and talking with neighbors as they were walking by. So just picture a day being out in the sunshine, being physical, getting up, getting moving, not just sitting on the couch with your phone, talking to neighbors and other women in the community, volunteering, and then eating a, a healthier diet that didn't have processed food, sugar, shock spikes that throughout the day that just can really upset our mood. And I think that alone gave a healthier day to women back then. Where Do you know what I mean? When mm-hmm. we look at those things. It is funny to think that um, they would have had less leisure time because of uh, what we have with the modern conveniences mm-hmm. and yet they had more balance yes of like yeah just just a little bit more lagom if you will yes. <laughs> when it comes to <laughs> chatting with people and even like their eating habits and everything like that um what i was thinking too so i was thinking what about my life what would i say really gives me self-care um, and helps my well-being. And I feel like routine is such mm-hmm. a huge part of that. And it, it seems hard at first, but follow me here. Um, is to start with something hard to give you long-lasting uh, benefit into the future. So for example, if you want to have more energy, that might mean you have to go to bed earlier that's going to be hard to get into a habit of. It means you have to stop what you're doing earlier at night, maybe, and uh, get off your phone or your computer or not watch one more episode of your show. It's going to require some sort of sacrifice to go to bed, but then your mood will be lifted the next day. You'll have more energy to do things. And the point is not to do it as a one-off the way you would um, like going out for a night with your girlfriends. Again, not a bad thing. You and I mm-hmm. enjoy that mm-hmm. very much. Yep. Um, but the persistent practice of good habits, I think that might be more in line with what self-care uh, and taking care of your well-being, take caring, taking care of yourself might be uh, going for here, what we're going for. 
I agree. I, I think that, you know, that saying that's like uh, create a life that you don't need a vacation from. I think it's the same yes. thing, like creating a life, create a life for yourself that you don't need to schedule in self-care from. Now, is that always possible? You and I have always said in every episode that this isn't always the case for everybody mm-hmm. at your point of life. But I do think, again, like we also say that there's a lot more we could be doing when we're self-aware and like Socrates taught um, that when you t- start to take care of yourself, you start to know yourself. So when we really step outside and and look inwards and think, okay, what can I work a little harder at, like what you're saying, Mm -hmm. so that I can actually invest long term in my life being better and making differences. Oh, it's so funny. When my kids were still in school, they used that bucket, filling your bucket thing. Did your kids learn that in kindergarten? Yeah. Yes. And um, I always laugh at those things. I guess we have buckets too, right? And so, yeah, having the pedicure puts a little thing in your bucket. But if there's, you know, um, a way to start to reshape your life that really fills it, then it it stays full longer, I guess. So trying to create a life that you don't need to schedule in self-care. And so you like your schedule and routine. Mm-hmm. which is great. Um, I am, a, I needed to teach myself how to really roll with the punches and to go easy on myself and to just laugh my way through crazy things. Um, because mm-hmm. that's, what's helped me for my self care. And so I'm so in tune, I think with my own needs at this point that I know if it's a day or two or three where it's laying on the couch and watching documentaries, um, or if it's time to push through and get my work done. And so I feel like when you're really in tune with yourself, like, that um you can dial in before it hits a crisis point right and that's actually a good point too so do you have um any like a specific thing that you really uh try to work in and to practice to practice self-care Yes, but this isn't going to last long because my older kids are going back to school next year. So, but this has been the most glorious thing that I do. And so I I may have mentioned this before, but part of my daily habit is that I get the kids all breakfast and none of them are at the age where they'll choke on their food, probably, (laughs) if I leave the room. So I get everybody seated, uh, seated at the kitchen table. I pour my cup of hot coffee which is such a rare luxury for moms. Mm -hmm. I take my hot coffee upstairs back up to my bed. I crawl back into my bed and um, either take my book or the laptop and with my coffee and have a good half hour, 40 minutes even, and start my day like that by myself when my kids hang out downstairs. And if they want to play Minecraft, they can play Minecraft. And then we start our school day a little later at like 10 or 1030. That self-care has been amazing. Now, to actually make that a little bit more productive. I've taken your advice over the last couple of months and I've been getting up early, not all the time, but multiple Mm -hmm. times a week now I'm getting up at 6 a.m. And man, oh man, you were right. That time (laughs) is amazing. And yes, it's hard. It's amazing. It is a game changer. And like you said, sometimes we have to do something hard to have this Mm -hmm. long-term change, right? But getting up at six after those first few minutes of you want to die, I go downstairs and I just plug, we still have a a garland over our fireplace with a little white light. Mm -hmm. So we just plug that in and start the coffee and I can hear my husband getting ready for work upstairs and he comes down and he's always like, what, you're here? And I'm like, Hannah is hot (laughs) coffee and sometimes breakfast if I'm in so in the mood as a good wife. And uh, and we sit and we have a quick talk before the kids wake up and then he goes and I sometimes get another 20 minutes of that prayer time or some Bible study. And it's uh, that is a whole new level of self-care that I didn't realize that I needed until I started doing it. So thank you for motivating me mm-hmm. to do that. 
Oh, my pleasure. Um, Yeah, it was something I always kind of scoffed at as well, because I'm a Mm -hmm. night owl as well. Mm -hmm. I used to be, actually. Now I would have to revise that and say I'm an early bird, too. It really is. There's something about not having to jump out of bed feeling like you're already late. (laughs) Yes. Just because you woke up uh, at a certain time. No, that's awesome. So, Michelle, what about you? What else do you do? One thing that um, my mom has always told me to have, uh, I don't think she would call it self-care, but it truly is, is to have something to get back to. And that can either be a book, uh, actually always have a book on Mm -hmm. the go, uh, a TV show, a project, something you have on the side going for you that you are looking forward to picking up again. Mm -hmm. Once the day is done, the kids are entertained or occupied or you have quiet moments, something that is very exciting. Uh, And that really keeps me optimistic and positive for the most part. And I don't often notice that that's what it's doing for me until I don't have something on the go. Your favorite show finishes or you finish your novel and you're kind of done the what we call the book hangover Yes, (laughs) where you can spend a couple of days kind of just thinking about it and that keeps you going. But if you're not starting something that immediately grips you after that, I really do notice a difference. Um, It's hard to persevere through the hard points of the day. I'm looking at you dinner hour. (laughs) Um, (laughs) If I know I'm not like uh, thinking to myself, oh, but in a few hours, I can sit down and read my book again. I can find out what happens or then Phil and I will get back into our show and we get to see what this character is going to do. Having something to get back to is a small thing, often doesn't cost anything or at least very little. And it really is just something to kind of uh, tantalize you for the next time you'll get a bit of a break. I love that. I think that's something I do too. And just like mini goals throughout the day. Like I know I have my afternoon cup of tea or the same thing Mm -hmm. I could do in the morning. If I put in several hours of hard work, I reward myself with bringing my tea up to my room. And I do that again, without feeling any guilt because it is self-care. I need that afternoon cup of tea. I can say to the kids, be quiet. Well, I have my um, cup of tea. (laughs) And so I do carve that out. And so I think that it's, it's, we can think about non-conventional ideas. So what does self-care look for you, look like for you? Yeah. And then the last thing that I actually do for my self-care, it seems backwards, but I find that doing something for other people is Mm -hmm. actually great for my own self-care. It's very strange. But truly, to know that you've made someone else's day, and it doesn't matter how small it is, or even if it's secretly done, Oh, Mm. especially if it's secretly done, if you can manage it, it really just kind of lifts you out of your own head for a little while and brings someone else into your world. And it truly brings this joy, I find, that sustains itself throughout the day. Do you find Absolutely. that? Oh my goodness. I I can't tell you how many times I've had friends come through with wonderful, just, you know, relatively simple things. I remember a couple of years ago, I, all my kids had pneumonia or something and everybody was sick and we hadn't slept in weeks. Mm. And there was just a knock at the door and a friend stood there and she had been driving by our house. And she's like, you don't have to say anything to me. She just handed me a dozen donuts and a bag of muffins from Tim Hortons and a hot black coffee. Cause she didn't know what wow. I took in it with cream and sugar on the side. And she's just like, she just gave me a hug and she goes, that's it. And she just backed out. She's like, you don't have to say anything. And I was like, I wept, I wept for like an oh. hour 
because it just was such, that's the self-care I needed to give the kids a sugary donut so they can have that and feel happy, you know, while I snuck away with my hot coffee and a treat. And that was such a sweet and generous gift. And so like you're saying, like, especially I think for our husbands, I think it's important that because they're not this self-care talk doesn't hasn't moved into the masculine realm yet mm-hmm. and they need it too. They really do. Mm-hmm. And I think that even if they're not seeing that, in I mean, my husband often works 60, 70 hour weeks. And so I think it's so important for us to say, you know what, go, go take a half hour, 40 minutes because they come home. And I know Phil's the same way. These guys are hardworking outside the mm-hmm. home and they come in and they are 100% on board for helping in the house and taking care of the kids. Like yeah. they don't, you know, and mm-hmm. Back in the day, this in the 50s and 60s, when the man came home, and this is legit, they, you know, they had their quiet time. My my own husband, his father, who was quite a bit older than his mom, so had um, been raised, uh, he was born in the 1930s. So when he came home from work, there was a half hour where nobody was supposed to talk to him. And he would just have his drink. Now, I don't believe in hard and fast rules like that, like nobody talked to me. But well, that is a nice gift every once in a while to say to her husband, you know what? I know you just worked 15 hours. Come on in. I've got the kids still for another half hour. You come up, do what you need to do, and I'll bring you up a cup of tea. And then, uh, you know, and I've done that for Jason a few times where I've told him mm-hmm. that nobody will bother him right when he gets home from work. And he adores his children, but he's always so thankful. And then he comes down completely refreshed and takes over mm-hmm. for the whole night. <laughs> and then he does all the work. So right. half hour I gave to him and he gives me like four hours that night. Yeah. <laughs> It's a win-win. <laughs> yep, self-care all around. That's right. But you know you what? get self-care, and you get you know that Oprah meme, and you get I self-care. I love that meme. Yes, <laughs> we need to make that as our meme now to go with oh, this episode. My gosh, please make that happen. I would I will, love I that. I laugh every time. But you know what? It was actually you mentioned this in one of the other podcasts, so uh, I agree. And uh, I think sometimes I got into a habit of thinking that Phil was so lucky and he is he loves his job he loves going to work every day but at the same time I forget that he is working mm-hmm. <laughs> right and I uh, I am a, a people person so staying home days upon days is sometimes really hard for me and it's uh, not a good thing but I'll get into this trap of thinking like oh there he goes. He gets to go mm-hmm. off into the world and I'm stuck here. And then mm-hmm. uh, I forget that he's also put in a day as well. And it's Absolutely. not often. Um, it's He works outside. So I'm thinking about him all day today in this polar vortex <sighs> yes. weather, right? And so there have been uh, more often now, I'll text him, what time are you coming home? And if I can time it well, if I can make it happen, not always, but if I can have a cup of tea, Mm-hmm. When he comes home, he's kind of shocked. And I'm kind of sad that he's so shocked <laughs> by my yeah. consideration. Um, I hope to make it a better thing. But I feel so good that I could make him feel so good. And like you said, Oprah's handing out self-care all over the place at our house. And <laughs> it cost a tea bag and a well-intentioned thought for someone else. That's absolutely right. Yep. And your children are seeing that so that this becomes not something they have to Google, like what is self-care, that some becomes something that they see in their house and they've learned how to do it and it becomes natural to them. And, you know, just to finish up, because I like to finish mm-hmm. up on a downer, you like to finish up on a high note. I like to... <laughs> 
<laughs> downer. But there are, there are. Some, I'm a realist. Um, no, there are some times that we have to put ourselves last, right? This whole thing is about mm-hmm. putting ourselves first. And you and I even joked that it's like self care, or is it treat yourself? Like, yeah, there's a fine line between. Um, we love to just have a Netflix binge, but is that self care, or is that just treat yourself? But, um, but there are sometimes that we can't put ourselves first, and that we can't make that a priority, and sometimes putting ourselves last, like you're saying, it's just a beautiful chance to offer that up. Sometimes we do have to suffer and that is life and that um, we can work in the self-care when it's the appropriate time. And and it's just sometimes isn't that season for it, but that it's good to start to step back and think, how can I give this to myself as a gift when it when I can and when it's appropriate and how can I dole it out to others? Okay, it's time for our What I'm Loving This Week segment of the show. So, Lindsay, what have you been loving this week? I couldn't possibly be more boring this week because it's only <laughs> week two of my Exodus 90, so there's no TV, yes. no movies. I'm still reading my classic literature, but that's not something that I'm like, yeah, I'm loving and I can share. And I've been listening to a lot of online homilies on the Census Fidelium YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. So I thought, what am I loving? And while I am enjoying those things, it's not it's, that didn't pop into my head. But you know what did pop into my head? What? Coffee. Coffee. So mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. I broke our French press bottom um, maybe two weeks ago, three weeks ago. The glass uh, shattered in it. And, oh. Okay, no. A knife fell off the counter and out of all of the places it could have fallen, it fell into the dishwasher, <laughs> onto the glass thing that was sitting there, and it broke it. So um, oh. we rushed out to our the store, bought another one. It wasn't a Bodum brand, which they didn't have. And I thought, well, how different can these things all be? Then This next one was terrible. So then we suffered through and offered up terrible coffee for weeks until my friend Anita, um, you know, from our hostess episode, was over. Mm-hmm. And she said, Lindsay, stop right there because I was apologizing for the pitiful coffee and she said the ikea french press it's under ten dollars she's like is the best french press they've ever owned and her whole family swears by it she's like go out and buy it so it was like 7.99 or 9.99 and it is the best french press i've ever owned so ikea french press i'm not even going to try to say the name of it i don't know the name of it but (laughs) But you're so good at swedish words right (laughs) but you're so good at this (laughs) <laughs> yes. La Gomme. Um, yeah. no. <laughs> That's the second time we've mentioned that this episode. So I for know. people who don't know it, they just, La Gomme means like temperance, not too much, not too little. But yeah, That's so right. the IKEA French press, it's under $10 and you won't, you won't be sorry. D- definitely go out and buy one. Oh my gosh, that is really uncanny because I just went to Ikea, my mm. like biannual pilgrimage mm-hmm. <laughs> to <Yes>. Ikea. <laughs> pilgrimage. The, <laughs> the big one, not the, the pickup Ooh, center. Oh, yes, that is a pilgrimage. Yes, it is. Yes, it was a trek. Um, and Why I didn't saw you take the French me? Prices. Who'd you go with? Wait a second. Wait a second, Michelle. <laughs> Who did I you know. go with? Do you know what? You're the second person I mentioned this to. And they're like, next time, can I come? So yeah, I think next time I'm just going to rent a bus. Yeah, um, self-care day. <laughs> that's right. At Ikea, yeah. where they have like $1.99 meatballs. Yep. Anyways, what I was Sorry. going to say <laughs> is that it's funny you mentioned that because I have like, I really focused in on the French presses at Ikea. I think mm-hmm. I was waiting for one of my kids in the bathroom when they were washing their hands after lunch and Mm -hmm. I was looking at the shelf of them I'm like how good can those really be because on the one hand 
it's seven ninety nine, like you said. But mm-hmm. on the other hand, it's IKEA, and yeah. everything at IKEA is awesome. So yeah. I'm glad that I ha- now have an actual experience, a test, a testimony to go and by. You, and you can purchase that at our little pickup store, so you don't have to make the pilgrimage again if you do decide oh. you want one. This is good. Otherwise, mm-hmm. I wouldn't have one until summer. So mm-hmm. great. <laughs> what are you loving this week? Okay, so I am loving the IT crowd. I know oh, you guys yes. love it too, right? <laughs> yes. I know. So we're basically just rewatching the entire series. Uh, this is in between episodes of The Good Doctor, which we're also loving. But uh, those are hour-long episodes, and some nights you don't have that time. So in the off nights, we're re-watching the IT crowd. It's on Netflix. But what I'm finding is not many people watch it because mm-hmm. they think it's called The It Crowd. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they think it's some sort of drama, like <laughs> like Gossip Girl or something like that, right? Yeah. No, far, very far from that genre, right, Lindsay? Like- oh my gosh, I, I'm stifling <laughs> my laughter just thinking of every episode running through my head right now. Yes, and if... So basically... Uh, um. The premise of the show is that it takes place in an IT department of a a British company (laughs) (laughs) with these two guys uh, who are whizzes at computers, but they have their own issues to work out. (laughs) And their manager uh, knows nothing about computers. Uh, And so it's their hijinks. Hijinks ensue. And if I may offer a couple of episodes to get started on, you must watch the one at the theater. Um. (laughs) I don't even know what they're called. And the one we watched last night was when Jen, the manager, uh, translates for the Italian business yes. partner. And those two, they that is self-care. To watch those two episodes would be the epitome and the height of self-care for you this winter. You're welcome. I, I'm so sorry for laughing through that whole thing, but it is just, there's so many quotes and there's so yes. many lines from that show. Yeah, I, 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 oh, I'm fine doing Exodus 90, but now I wish I could just all night go down and watch episodes of that. Is Exodus 90 like Lent and you can take Sundays off? You can actually relax one of the things. So you can either have like a warm shower um, or you can have... Um, go on social media or the internet or you can um, eat dessert or have or watch the IT crowd or have alcohol or as we did last Sunday we just relaxed them all (laughs) (laughs) it was a we had a horrible day as you know our son had an emergency appendectomy and so it was so you know what it's fine I had a donut and went online and had a hot shower so oh luxury self-care that's self-care yeah that's so great Okay, that's going to do it for us this week, Lindsay. How can people find us? You can find us on Facebook at The Modern Lady Podcast and by the same name on Instagram at The Modern Lady Podcast. You can find Michelle at M.M. Sachs, S-A-C-H-S, and I'm at Linny Autumn on Instagram. Thank you so much, everyone, for joining us this week. Hope you get a chance to practice a little bit of self-care, and we will see you next time. Mm-hmm.